The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Here's the deal. Logical scientific methodology doesn't apply. We just take that with us. We're entering into a realm which defies logic, and all we have to depend on is myths and superstition. Very cool. In many legends, children are immune to the effects of the paranormal. Oh, I'm not a child. We know you're not a child, but you're the closest thing we have to one. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Greta Thunberg was in Canada last week preaching an ideology, and I'll say it out loud, of pure evil. She and the corporate interests that created her and that back her together represent a political weapon of mass destruction. She's also a victim of those corporate and industry interests, along with every person that blindly follows this evil propaganda. And I want to keep stressing that word evil. This is no time to be shirking from what we know is the truth. Preparing for today's show was a bit of an emotional challenge for me, not because of the subject matter, but because of the objective being set as the goal for the so-called climate change movement, a movement of mass irrationality. And it is that irrationality that is the heart of our discussion today, one that begins right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, and follow us on SoundCloud, Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, our archive broadcasts, and of course, where we encourage you to offer your financial support and in so doing, become part of our effort to enlighten others about the true nature of freedom and capitalism. Now over the past week or two, We've witnessed thousands of people actively demonstrate against all life on this planet. And shame on them all. There's no science behind the climate change terrorists. Just politics specifically aimed at destroying your individual freedom and survival. Greta Thunberg is an obvious victim of child abuse. At the hands of her parents and at the hands of all the socialist activists of every leftist party and interest that uses her to help achieve their sinister ends. It is a screaming death cult for the entire human race, and I'm not exaggerating here in the slightest. And if you think I am after hearing today's show, let me know and tell me how you interpret the phenomena of Greta Thunberg. And also, this is not a new phenomenon that has just come upon us over the past several years or so. It is the consequence of a deliberate, calculated, and organized campaign initiated by socialists, communists, fascists, and collectivists from all around the world. A campaign that was well underway over half a century ago through the so-called United Nations. And by the show's end today, you'll know exactly what I mean after I share the evidence with you. But before I get underway, I have to begin with a quick comment on the state of our mainstream news media today. You know, that portion of the media that had once earned, despite its certain biases, the status of being the fourth estate as a check against the power of the state. 
Today, that fourth estate has become the weapon of the state and no longer serves as a reliable source of news or information. I'm so disgusted with them, I simply can't find the appropriate words. When it comes to the mainstream media, there are three areas of discussion where they are completely fake almost all the time. Anything to do with politics, anything to do with social issues, and anything to do with science. It's junk politics, socialism, socialism, and more socialism. That's all they talk about. It's all they promote. Junk social issues like identity politics, sexism, gender fictions, false claims of racism, sexism, on and on it goes. Then, of course, the scary part is the junk science. From the Big Bang Theory that we discussed a couple of weeks ago on the show to the eternal fighting of climate change. Now, the problem is this. The media does not report the news. It acts as an agent for the left. It does so by giving its almost exclusive attention to leftists of all the political parties and political movements and by either ignoring or otherwise fraudulently misrepresenting anyone on the true right, and that means anyone who believes in truth, objectivity, freedom, democracy, or capitalism. Now, I spent depressing hours listening last week, Friday, to live coverage and commentaries about Greta Thunberg's campaign in Canada on the CTV News Network. Not one single critical voice was ever raised during the entire news and coverage period. Thunberg's gospel of evil was accepted as gospel, and anyone who wasn't on her page of nihilism was singled out for political and moral censure, like Andrew Scheer, who I'm no fan of, and Maxime Bernier, who I am a fan of. But these three areas, politics, social issues, and science, have been so outrageously politicized by the media that a significant portion of the public has been dumbed down to the point of pure irrationality, which means to a point beyond being reasoned with. And this is very important to keep in the back of your mind as our show begins. My name is Greta Thunberg. I'm 16 years old. I come from Sweden, and I want you to panic. We live in a strange world where the United Science tells us that we are about 11 years away from setting off an irreversible chain reaction way beyond human control that will probably be the end of our civilization as we know it. I don't know, I just know what is right. There is no hope. Where we think we can buy and build our way out of a crisis that has been created by buying and building stuff. We need to keep the fossil fuels in the ground and we need to focus on equity. This is all wrong. Then maybe we should change the system itself. Now that's only a small part of a compilation of an array of offensive and false assertions being made by Greta Thunberg, which was created by Red Ice TV out of Sweden and from whom we'll hear why Greta Thunberg and the movement behind her is a fraud. That'll happen when we reach our first bumper break. But let's review what she just said. I want you to panic, says Greta. Well, I am panicking about people like Greta who represent a direct threat to me and my family, my children, my friends, and my fellow citizens. Yeah, I'm panicking. We live in a strange world, she says. Boy, I'll agree with that because she's basically <laughs> exhibit A. Where the united science... now. There's no such thing as science by consensus, and that's the opposite of science, and that's what she literally means by saying that. 
where that science tells us that we are about 11 years away from setting off an irreversible chain reaction way beyond human control, which will mean the end of our civilization as we know it. Well, we might already be there. And the end of our civilization as we knew it ended with the advance of collectivism and all of its irrational ideologies of campaigns that we get just inundated with daily and daily, especially through the mainstream media. I don't know. I just know what is right, she says. In other words, she has no knowledge on which to base her moral conviction because it's not hers. It's the ideology of those who write her material and who handle her campaign. There is no hope, she says. Well, without knowledge, of course, there can be no hope. Not only that, but given her fascist objectives, hoping that people believe that there is no hope is truly an article of faith on which this evil brand of nihilism depends. Now, what's the hope about? Quote, where we think we can buy and build our way out of the crisis that has been created by buying and building stuff, <laughs> end quote. Well, in other words, she's opposed to economics and trade. Buying and building stuff is the means by which human beings live and survive. The philosophy of Greta Thunberg is nihilist, completely anti-life. We need to keep the fossil fuels in the ground, she says. Though this is completely wrong, this makes sense, since her organizers and handlers are all corporate and political interests invested in so-called green technology, which, by the way, is among the most polluting forces on the face of the earth. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Fossil fuels are a blessing compared to their alternatives. Then she says, and we need to focus on equity. What? First, equity has nothing to do with climate change, but has a lot to do with socialist and fascist politics. In other words, no rich and poor allowed. This is code for the egalitarianism inherent in all forms of collectivism, which in practice means all the wealth for the elites, all the poverty for the rest of the population. This is all wrong, she says. Well now, ask yourself, how can she possibly arrive at such a conclusion, considering that she just admitted she doesn't even know what her justification for being right is? I mean, this is a vacuous contradiction that means nothing. We should change the system itself, she says. Well, that says it all. Change our free and capitalistic democracy into a totalitarian and socialistic dictatorship. That's what it's all about. And this entire agenda is not the creation of Greta Thunberg. She's already been made a victim of it, but that doesn't make her any less offensive or dangerous to the rest of us. But beyond the irrationality of Greta Thunberg's message itself is the reality that Greta Thunberg and the movement behind her is a complete fraud. Coming up on our first bumper bite of the day is a very shortened and highly edited segment of the top 10 reasons why Greta Thunberg is a fraud as presented by Red Ice TV on September 27th. Hi, as a Swede, I just like to say sorry for Greta Thunberg. She does not represent the majority of us. The hype by the media have managed to attract countless idealistic boomers, bored millennials and traumatized children around the world to an apocalyptic climate cult. But this is not new. The foundation of the manipulation behind Greta Thunberg is old, a tested and proven method. It's just a new rapper, a new spokesperson. And one of the most insidious aspects is that Greta herself is being used. Sincere or not, I do believe she is sincere, but clearly misinformed and encouraged by the adults around her. She is a manufactured asset that have been constructed by the very elites she claims to be fighting. Stay with me and I'll present the top 10 reasons why Greta Thunberg is a fraud. 
Number one, Greta's rise to fame was not organic. Greta says in interviews that what got her started was watching climate documentaries in school. What she learned was that the world as we know it is going to end and we are on the brink of another mass extinction event due to man's exploitation of the earth and the adult leaders are doing nothing about this. This scared her so much that she decided to take action. So Greta launched a one-girl school strike at the Swedish parliament on the morning of August 20th, 2018. PR man Ingmar Rentsog, founder of the environmental social media campaign We Don't Have Time, took a picture of Greta, posted it on his personal Facebook page, tweeted it out from the official uh, Twitter account for the group. And by late afternoon, the newspaper Dagens Nyheter had Greta's story and face on its website. Then the story went international and viral. However, it turns out that uh, that story is a fairy tale. Thanks to investigative journalism, we've learned the following. Rentsog met Greta's mother, the uh, somewhat famous opera singer Malena Enman, about three to four months before all of this got started. Rentsog, who was trained by Al Gore's Climate Reality Project, had shared a stage with Malena at the conference called Climate Parliament. Former Vice President Al Gore, who famously pitched similar apocalyptic ideas about rising sea levels and runaway anthropogenic global warming about a decade ago, is not the only influential and powerful person that was around Rentsog and helped to shape his organization, We Don't Have Time. There are other people orbiting Greta, seeking to benefit politically and financially from her now world-famous campaign for climate justice. Number two, Tumba is being exploited and taken advantage of. Now, the poor girl has Asperger's and selective autism and obsessive compulsive disorder. Geta's obsessive nature with her particular condition have not been treated. She has not been getting help for it or therapy to try to get her away from obsessing about climate doomsday material. It has instead been exploited and encouraged even by the grown-ups around her, particularly her parents. Her unhealthy obsession is being used to drive home a message that fulfills specific political and financial goals. Global wealth redistribution and massive reshuffles in the developed world's energy sector are two very clear agendas being driven alongside a program of social engineering and deindustrialization proposals for the West. But where it goes from just abuse of one child is when the mass media is starting to sell the same message of doom to the rest of the world, trying to create a global epidemic of children and adults that are hysterically believing that if we don't have a radical restructuring of the industrial, financial and social order, now we are all going to die. Number three, Greta is not a dissident or an enemy of the system. If she was, she would not be promoted by the system that she supposedly is fighting. Number four, she is getting an extraordinary amount of press and global media attention. TV news shows, newspapers, magazines, everyone wants to see and be seen with uh, Greta Thunberg. She is the elite's person of choice at the moment and she is being used because it serves a larger agenda. She's on the cover of GQ, Time magazine and many, many more publications. The mainstream fake news are pushing and promoting Greta and her message of radical atheist end times prophecy because it serves a purpose. This is a new religion and the synagogue of climate change has a distinct apocalyptic message. Repent or you will die. 
The Imams and the rabbis of any cult have always used supposed wacky prophets to drive fear into the masses by encouraging superstition, not dispelling it. That never has happened. Like any cult, obedience is expected and demanded, and those who spread its message are usually very much rewarded, while critics, apostates, and kafirs are targeted, shamed, and reprimanded by an army of unquestioning believers. Number five, she has handlers. Louise Marie Neubauer, a 24-year-old leftist and Green Party poster child from Germany, who sunk her claws into Greta when they met at the UN Climate Conference in Poland in December 2018 and made Greta her political protege. Neubauer started a branch of school strike for climate in Germany, and this has since gone international. Many photos and videos have been taken where you can see Greta with her handler, Luisa Marie. Neubauer is an important interface to a wealthy, powerful globalist because she is a member of the One Foundation, which is managed and funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and receiving money from Bono of U2 and George Soros, to name a few. Number six, boomers, zoomers and millennials think that you're attacking a little girl when you criticize her radical message. Yes, this is uh, really the rebuttal. Question her conclusions about climate change and the people around her and you are an afraid and insecure male that uh, can't handle a little girl putting you in your place. The reaction to backlash and defense kicking in is the very reason why the marketing forces behind Greta Thunberg selected a now 16-year-old autistic girl that essentially looks like she's 12 as their spokesperson, because most people will unthinkingly just see what is right in front of their eyes. Number seven, her family ties back in Sweden. So Malena Ehrman, the mother, is a kind of a famous opera singer. She has essentially quit her uh, very vibrant career as a somewhat manly-looking mezzo-soprano to help pimp out her daughter. Her father, Svante Thunberg, is an author, producer, and actor. Her uh, younger sister, Beata, lives with ADHD, Asperger's syndrome, and OCD. She is uh, also prone to sudden outbursts of anger during which she screams obscenities at her mother. And notice Antonio Guterres in these shots as well. Uh, he is the Secretary General of the UN. He smirked his way through the entire speech, it seems like. No applause, no real reactions. Guterres, interestingly, was the Prime Minister of Portugal for seven years. He was also the Secretary General of the Socialist Party from 92 to 2002. And he served as a president of the Socialist International from 1999 to 2005. Now, this is very important to give you an idea of what the UN is actually about. Socialist International is essentially a communist gateway organization that unites all democratic socialist parties around the world. Now he is the head of the UN. This is a key to understanding the intent of the organization and where they seek to take things politically. And so I believe it's the duty of all decision makers in the world not only to listen to the voice of young people and to do what they ask us to do, but also to support them in their own action for climate action around the world. Thank you very much to all of you. That was the first seven of ten reasons. We'll get to numbers eight, nine, and ten in our next break. But consider what you just heard. We know that Greta Thunberg is a manufactured asset, being used and exploited by a whole range of organized socialists and communists. She's no dissident, but an active advocate of this group of interests. But most of all, notice that everyone behind Greta Thunberg is from the left side of the political polarity, and this is the only consistent reality of the whole fighting climate change ideology.
Now, this is nothing new. Back in the period between the mid-1960s and early 1970s, philosopher novelist Ayn Rand wrote a series of essays that were compiled in her book entitled The New Left, The Anti-Industrial Revolution, which described in excruciating detail every single symptom and cause of what has today become the so-called fight against climate change. In particular, there are two essays bearing the same titles as the book itself, and from which I shall now selectively quote. End quote. It has been reported in the press many times that the issue of pollution is to be the next big crusade of the new left activists after the war in Vietnam peters out. And just as peace was not their goal or motive in that crusade, so clean air is not their goal or motive in this one. Observe that in all the propaganda of the ecologists, Amidst all their appeals to nature and pleas for harmony with nature, there is no discussion of man's needs and the requirements of his survival. Man is treated as if he were an unnatural phenomenon. Man cannot survive in the kind of state of nature that the ecologists envision on the level of sea urchins or polar bears. In that sense, man is the weakest of animals. He's born naked and unarmed, without fangs, claws, horns, or instinctual knowledge. Physically, he would fall an easy prey, not only to the higher animals, but also to the lowest bacteria. He's the most complex organism, and in a contest of brute force, extremely fragile and vulnerable. His only weapon, his basic means of survival, is his mind. In order to survive, man has to discover and produce everything he needs, which means that he has to alter his background and adapt it to his needs. Nature has not equipped him for adapting himself to his background in the manner of animals. It is not necessary to remind you of what human existence was like for centuries and millennia prior to the Industrial Revolution, end quote. Well, actually, I think it is necessary, but I don't know if the word remind is the right term anymore, since it appears to me that a lot of people never ever considered this reality in the first place. They've taken our standard of living for granted as if everything that exists today is almost a part of nature and won't go away if we get back to nature. That, that's absolutely an absurdity. But she continues, quote, but the essence, the fundamental principles, the psychological motivation, the ultimate goal of the leftist liberals has not changed. The essence is a hatred of reason. The forms may vary, the slogans may change, everything may be dispensable in the flux, but three fundamentals remain untouched. Mysticism, altruism, collectivism. And so does their psychological manifestation. It is the lust for power, the lust to destroy. The activists of the new left do not seek to take over industrial plants, they seek to destroy technology. The immediate goal is obvious, the destruction of the remnants of capitalism in today's mixed economy and the establishment of a global dictatorship. This goal does not have to be inferred. Many speeches and books on the subject state explicitly that the ecological crusade is a means to that end, end quote. Now, I know a lot of people find it difficult to accept this assessment of the environmental movement, whatever its current manifestations, from ecology to back to nature to fighting climate change. It's all the same BS. What is not BS is the consistent goal of destruction, the death cult that is environmentalism and the fundamental philosophy of the left. That's what we're dealing with. This, this is a political phenomenon. It has nothing to do with science or nature. But before we get into strengthening that case, let's move on to the greater fraud that is the green movement itself. 
So on the return side of our upcoming bumper, we'll be hearing a brief excerpt from a 2014 speech given to an audience at the Institute of Public Affairs in Australia by Professor Ian Plymer, who discusses his book, Not for Greens. And on this side of our bumper, we'll conclude with Red Ice TV's reasons 8, 9, and 10 as to why Greta Thunberg is a fraud. Although I have to warn you in advance, I don't entirely share reason number 8, and I'll tell you why when we return. Number 8. Boomer. Please, she's not a Nazi, okay? So despite Boomer logic, uh, Cucks and Conservatards' misconceptions, no, she is not a member of the National Socialist Germans Workers' Party, or used by them in any capacity. Despite hacks like uh, Dinesh D'Souza, who seems to think that as soon as you have a Nordic uh, person ends up in the limelight to deliver any message, you can accuse them of Nazism and, and you'll win. Just stop. You're embarrassing yourself, especially when there is direct, available evidence and information that her parents are Antifa-supporting watermelons. Green on the outside, red on the inside. Now, although some of these boomers are correct that children are being used by power grabbers of any flavor to uh, sell an agenda that happens quite often, but we only have to look at previous examples that these same people and organizations used before. In fact, the conference that started essentially all of the climate hysteria was the UN Earth Summit, uh, the Earth Climate Summit in Rio de Janeiro in 1992. And they featured a young girl, Severin Cullis Suzuki, around the same age as Greta. Check this out. I'm Severin Suzuki, speaking for ECHO, the Environmental Children's Organization. We're a group of 12 and 13 year olds trying to make a difference. You adults, you must change your ways. I have no hidden agenda. I am fighting for my future. I am here to speak for all generations to come. I am afraid to go out in the sun now because of the holes in our ozone. I am afraid to breathe the air, and yet we act as if we have all the time we want. I'm only a child, yet I know we are all in this together, and should act as one single world towards one single goal. <laughs> Parents should be able to comfort their children by saying, everything's going to be alright, it's not the end of the world, but I don't think you can say that to us anymore. What you do makes me cry at night. You grown-ups say you love us, but I challenge you, please, make your actions reflect your words. Thank you. So the United Nations climate crisis clamor was first kicked off at the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro, a symbolic event that laid the groundwork for something completely new, a new tool in the arsenal for the globalists of environmental alarmism. The United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, the opening remarks to this was made by FCC's Environment Program Executive Director, Maurice Strong, a highly decorated Canadian oil and mineral businessman who served as Under Secretary General of the United Nations. Now, he was the person who organized the first UN Earth Climate Summit, where he expressed the underlying priority of these events very candidly. Quote, We may get to the point where the only way of saving the world will be for industrialized civilization to collapse. Isn't it our responsibility to bring this about? Number nine, it's an apocalyptic death cult. 
Now this is turning into a strange apocalyptic cult that's absorbing kids from all around the world. How do you think our kids feel emotionally after being told that the adults are doing nothing while scientists all agree that the Earth will hit an irreversible runaway global warming event sometime in little over a decade? This is damaging kids psychologically. This is horrific child abuse. It's less of a religion and more of a death cult. Number 10, the obfuscation of real environmental damage. Now, by giving attention to a platform to a child that demands swift radical action immediately based on science that there is counter to the uh, popular beliefs of the masses, not a consensus on. There are many dissenting scientists and critics that have been silenced over the years, removed from their positions, or attacked, smeared, and discredited for speaking out with different research and different finds. No one is allowed to be thinking differently about this. Just look at how ClimateGate from 2010 have been memory-holed. Emails that showed how the Climate Research Unit at the East Anglia University in the UK had fudged the numbers. This was just a small group of scientists who have for years been the most influential in driving the worldwide alarm over global warming. And this group was a key component in helping to produce the data that ended up informing the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, on their alarmist reports. And this is the very same report that Greta and all these other people are now referencing as proof for why we all need to change or we are going to die. The global temperature degree increases that they are giving us, telling us, are in fact based on fraudulent data. And this was exposed and leaked back in 2010. Yet the propaganda endures, the machine continues. Now, why would I write a book about the Greens? Well, I got the idea when I was sitting in seat 1C, in seat 1A was one of my South Australian senators, Senator Hanson Young. <laughs> and I looked at her crocodile skin shoes, and I looked at her two mobile phones, and I looked that she had tanned leather handbag with metal, and I thought, Here's a lady flying in a tube made out of aluminium and magnesium, pumping out carbon dioxide, who's taking all the great benefits of the modern world and yet is criticising it. And there was only one word that came to mind, hypocrisy. And I mentioned it to her and um, she, like one of my other... Um, fellow passengers on a Canberra Adelaide flight, that was Penny Wong, they, they'd never make eye contact with me. They don't talk to me. I'm just left, here it is, all on my own in an aeroplane for an hour and a half's flight. They won't talk to me. And I thought, yes, this is what the Greens are about. They're quite happy to finger wag at us, take all the benefits of our society and want us to go and live in the caves. And I thought, well, um, I think we've been a bit gentle on the Greens. So the book starts with looking at a few aspects of climate, that climate always changes, that we've had massive climate changes in the past. These changes have been rapid. Sea levels have been up and down all the time. 
We've had oceans that have been alkaline for the history of the planet. And we survive in a warm climate. We die in cold climates. And the climate is very complicated. It's not driven by one atom or one molecule called carbon dioxide. And if we look at the amount of carbon dioxide that we humans emit, for every 85,000 molecules of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, one is of human origin. So every 85,000 molecules of, of all the uh, compounds in air, one is carbon dioxide. And the argument has never been put that this one molecule out of 85,000 drives climate change and all the others have nothing to do with it, including the 32 molecules of naturally emitted carbon dioxide. Now that is bizarre and that's what we're up against. We're not up against science, we're actually up against a religion. And no evidence can change someone's mind in a religious ideology because they have entered that position by being irrational. So how on earth can you use rationality to get them out of that position? So I think a better way to do it is to attack them on their hypocrisy. At least when you can attack, especially with a bit of humour, it's very, very difficult to defend. So the science for me is very clear. And we can see that we had an event of warming and then about 800 to 1500 years later we had an increase in carbon dioxide. And we don't see it once, we see it time and time and time and time again. That's the validation process in science. And we see that temperature has driven the carbon dioxide content of the atmosphere, not the inverse. And even on a, a modern time scale, we can see that temperatures have gone up and down from Roman times when it was warm to the Dark Ages when it was cold, the medieval times when it was warm, the Little Ice Age when it was cold. And then on another scale, since we've been measuring temperature with thermometers, we've seen temperature go up and down, up and down, and up and down, while we've had an increase in atmospheric carbon dioxide emissions. And in fact, for nearly 18 years, the Bureau of Meteorology in the UK has been telling us that we have had a massive increase in atmospheric carbon dioxide emissions, but no temperature change. So what this is telling us is that carbon dioxide is not driving climate change. Yes, it participates, but it's a, a third-class passenger. It's, it's not a first-class passenger. And carbon dioxide is the food of life. The very first thing you learn in school science is photosynthesis. With carbon dioxide, water and light making the sugars so necessary for plants. Without carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, we have no life on Earth. If we halved the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, we would have no plant life. If we quadrupled the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, we would be living in nirvana. We would be at the carbon dioxide level which is optimal for plants. Horticulturists know this. They've been pumping warm carbon dioxide into glasshouses for a long time. So the whole story on carbon dioxide is misleading. And carbon dioxide is such an important gas for industry that every major industry will emit carbon dioxide. And that's what the story is about. This is not a story about climate. It's a story about attacking industry and it's a story about stopping heavy industry in Western countries.
You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And that last comment by Professor Ian Plymer hit the nail on the head, reiterating exactly what was written by Ayn Rand back in the mid-60s and what I continue to say today. And as for Canadian Maurice Strong, simply despicable to suggest that it's our responsibility to bring about a collapse of Western industrialized civilization. Folks, this is the kind of mentality that we're dealing with out there. These are the supposed leaders of our civilization. Disgraceful. Now let me go back and respond to point number eight in the Red Ice TV audio bite about calling Greta Thunberg a Nazi. Now most people on the right who call someone a Nazi no more believe that literally than do most people who say they don't believe in climate change. It's the same thing. The average person using that phrase is not literally considering all of the nuanced variants of Nazism that make it unique in the world of fascism. They're using it as an illustration of just how bad fascism, or even communism and socialism for that matter, can get. When someone says, I don't believe in climate change, what they generally mean is that they don't believe in the man-made CO2-caused version of climate change, which is the only version of climate change being entertained by the left and the mainstream media today. There are no literal deniers of climate change, since that's an accepted and universally understood fact by anyone who even remotely has read about climate. Similarly, When people call someone a Nazi, they of course are not literally referring to Hitler's long-defunct political party or the one that still apparently exists today. What a ridiculous conclusion to arrive at. Nor is it meant to be taken literally with respect to Greta Thunberg. She has no deep understanding or comprehension of what she's saying. Again, she's a victim of this ideological tactic, but it doesn't change the evil nature of the fascism. What is being attempted by using that charge of Nazi is the creation of a comparison of in ideology and tactics and the conditions that led to Nazi-like regime in Germany. Fascism, which is spreading around the globe today at an alarming rate. Remember, fascism basically means state control of private interests and matters, from freedom of speech to personal production and trade. Now, I can understand how using the Nazi label might be a tactical error, depending on who you were, you know, directing your message to, especially people who don't even know the difference between fascism and socialism. But as a broad symbolic label, there are many instances, particularly when directed against the left, that the term conjures up the desired effect. And if you want to see the term Nazi used completely incorrectly, You just had to attend last Sunday's PPC event at Mohawk College in Hamilton, which our Just Right team did, to see that word prominently displayed on the signs of leftists, fascists, and communists who were directing that accusation against the PPC and its leader, Maxime Bernier. You couldn't have picked a more inappropriate target. But that's a subject for our upcoming broadcast. Now, as to the point number nine that was brought up, hard to avoid that this movement is a death cult. And finally, of course, science, not consensus. Propaganda based on fake stats continues unabated. So what else is new? This is, after all, politics and not science. Now, I had an epiphany two weeks ago about what environmentalists and lefties ignorantly refer to as, quote, the limits to growth. That's a myth. The argument is constantly made that economic growth is finite and cannot continue infinitely. Some kind of end must eventually be reached. That argument reminds me of the Big Bang Theory, 
that we discussed on the show two weeks ago, wherein it was argued that a constantly expanding universe will eventually expand so far it will turn into nothingness and have an end, which of course is not a view that we share. As we learn from the steady-state theory of the universe, space, not the universe, both expands and contracts. Well, guess what? Capitalism and economies work the same way as the steady-state universe. Economies both expand and contract simultaneously. There's no infinite growth or expansion of the economy in the way that the left describes it. But there is an infinite process. Economic growth merely means change. And change, just like climate changes, is indeed infinite. Horses and buggies turned into trains, cars and trucks. We don't expand the economy in the sense that we keep driving horses and buggies around, but now additionally employ modern mechanized methods of transportation. Capitalism is a process of creation and destruction, profit and loss, invention and innovation. It replaces the old. It's not an eternally expanding thing. It expands and contracts. The real economy is a dynamic, steady state economy, just as a real description of the universe we live in is a dynamic, steady state universe. Now, up next, presented by the Independent Institute on August 16th, scientist Willie Soon, whose credentials are too long to fit into our allotted time. Well, I really thank you all. You know, it's full house, right? I mean, my typical size of audience is five, so I really, really humbly appreciate everybody for coming. My job is rather easy tonight because I want to talk about this gas, this satanic gas, we will call it, you know, this satanic gas called CO2, carbon dioxide. And the carbon dioxide, according to the wisdom of uh, what you call the United Nations uh, uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Reports, that says that if you were to keep putting this carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, the, the globe is going to warm, the sea is going to rise, the polar bear is going to say, stop drinking Coca-Cola and say goodbye, <laughs> and many, many other problems. I'm here trying to tell you that this CO2 is not that powerful in that sense. The only thing it does to the system is actually make the planet greener. So I apologize if this really bothers anyone. In the, in the spirit of science, I will at least try to tell you that if there's anything that I say offend anybody, I humbly apologize first because I tend to have the tendency to be a bit more hyper excited. But my passion is very sincere. It's all about science. All the way down, it's all about science, nothing else. Because if I were to be wrong and say anything that's not truthful, you just hang me right here, right? No problem. Let's just talk about it. If there's anything that we disagree, let's talk about it. The most important lessons about science is clear, right? I mean, I have a quote here by Professor Richard Feynman. He's among the finest physicists America ever seen. And it's really to try to get to the essence that science is not about consensus. Have you all heard about that consensus business? 97%, I mean, the kind of stuff they're pulling is very, very bad, actually. All this 97, 99% consensus, it means nothing. It's all about actually asking a simple question like, yeah. Do, you, do you think that climate will change? Of course, I'm one of those 97%. You know? It's a pure nonsense. It's nothing about science. Science is about what are the facts, what are the evidence, and so on and so forth. In my humble opinion, after studying this topic for close to 30 years now, there's never been something about the scientific field that they really try very, very hard to make sure that you all don't get swayed away by people like myself, the deniers, and so on and so forth. That you know, you make sure that you don't hear us, 
So I thank Independent Institute for providing this forum. I hope I don't embarrass any one of you. They really try very hard. And then every time that you say that you want to, oh, I, uh, I want to ask a question. No, 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 no question. You just believe us. Every time you say, can we have a little debate? I don't understand your facts. Can you explain to me? They just say, no, no, no. El God say so. <laughs> so we go to this next one. It's another one. One of the world experts is the EPA Air Chief. Freedom, responsibility, openness of government, etc. Let me ask you, what percentage of the atmosphere is CO2? What percentage of the atmosphere is CO2? I don't have that calculation for you, sir. Maybe uh, you could tell us what your personal uh, uh, guess is on what percentage of the I, CO2. I, I don't make those guesses, sir. You're the head of the EPA and you don't know? You've based, you have all of these laws based on all of it. Oh, you're going to get your staffer to tell you now. But you're the head of the EPA and you did not know well, what, the, what percentage, and, and now you are basing pro policies that impact dramatically on the American people and you didn't even know the bait, what the content of CO2 in the atmosphere was, which is the justification for the very policies you're talking about. No, that, well, that thank you. I, if you, I, if I, you're I, asking me how much CO2 is, is in the atmosphere, not a percentage, but how much, we have just reached no, levels was, of 400 parts per million. I think million. I was very clear what I was asking, and I was very clear you didn't know. I think let's go, that's enough. It's to make a point. These folks want to regulate. They don't want to even study science, right? It's so hard. And I don't know how many of you know about this case or you're interested. The U.S. EPA apparently have to rule that the carbon dioxide is an air pollutant. And we have this conservative justice that passed away, Justice Scalia, during 2007, actually April 7, the decision was reached in the uh, in, uh, U.S. Supreme Court. That rules that carbon dioxide is an air pollutant and therefore U.S. EPA must regulate. They have no other options. This is a very sad decision that I think we should try to fight. But according to Justice Scalia, if you think that everything airborne from frisbee to fatulent qualify as air pollutant, right? If, you, if your CO2 is an air pollutant, then even frisbee and, and, and fatulent should be qualified as air pollutant. So therefore, this is, this is a statute that defies common sense. So a bit of update is actually Sam Alito just gave a talk somewhere in Claremont Colleges a few years ago that simply say that really carbon dioxide is never ever a pollutant. This is very strange. They want to, they want to change the reality by using this human law, not the physical law. CO2 could never ever be an air pollutant. This is really a messy business, by the way. This is telling you something is very strange here. Well, we have a problem in the West, right? Whatever the reason is, apparently the Professor Jim Hansen from uh, NASA Goddard Institute for Space Study. By the way, you all know who he is, right? He's the father of global warming. He's the man who testified in the Senate in 1988, making a clear statement that he's 99% sure that he has already seen the global warming effect by the carbon dioxide. Okay? This is telling you the level of stuff he's doing. He's presenting this talk to show that the, the forest fire numbers burn in the areas has been increasing, okay? And he showed data from 1960 to about 2017 or so. And this is based on a talk with children, okay? Student at the symposium in Taiwan. 
And I have to say that, you know, that seems very convincing, isn't it? If you are a big authority coming from America, former, you know, NASA director. But I think the God is angry right here, right? You know, something is burning. But the problem is, he's pulling such a childish uh, sort of thing. He put uh, actually a link to the data set where he got it from. But he forgot that the whole data set is available from 1926 or so. Why would he do such a thing, you know? He basically, you all understand, right? He was showing you only that little part, but he forgot to show you from 1926 to 1960. Isn't that childish? Are we, are we serious about science? And these are called scientists, right? And I'm not supposed to tell people about this? I don't even know why he bothered to do this, actually. So, Professor Hansen, hello. <laughs> what, but what happened when you do bad science? This is part of the stuff that I have passion about. You know, when you mess around with science, you mess around with me, right? What happened? Well, you got, you got an award. I don't care how many awards he wins. It doesn't matter, okay? It is that kind of problem, the reverse incentive science. You're not only not doing science, you have to do something anti-science to get an award, right? So these people, are, to me, they're just burning everything away, you know? It's dangerous, dangerous. Don't do that, man. Because life is much more beautiful than that. One should not do that. <laughs> So let's get back to global warming, right? This is the typical graph they show from about 1880 to now, let's say, right? You measure that, oh, the globe is warming. If you show the relationship with carbon dioxide, oh my God, did you see it? It's almost a perfect correlation. If you plot the carbon dioxide on the horizontal axis, the te global temperature on this is perfect correlation. <laughs> Finish, uh, clap hand, guys, clap hand, come on. We all know, another important lesson in science, right? Correlation doesn't mean causation, right? If you really believe that this is to be true, I'll close the door, I'll go home now. <laughs> really, seriously. Because you know why? I told Terry that I want to get a lot of chocolate, I threw it to all of you guys. <laughs> because according to some statistical study, that the more chocolate you consume, the more chances of you winning Nobel Prizes, guys. <laughs> Yeehaw! Anyway. Prices are the most deceptive business about science, actually. Well, let's study this carbon dioxide, right? Let's study that within the context of energy flow within the climate system. The first reminder I want to remind everybody is that it turns out that this climate is among the most misunderstood subject because Al Gore, the average D student, thinks that he understands climate. My God, it's as sure as gravity. He always say that. You guys are just denier, right? But to understand climate, you need to study what? Astronomy, solar physics, geology, geochronology, geochemistry, sedimentology, tectonic, paleontology, paleoecology, glaciology, climatology, meteorology, oceanography, ecology, archaeology, history. And that's not even complete. And these guys say that if we just change the carbon dioxide content in the atmosphere, that we're going to control the whole system. It's a bit ridiculous, actually. right? And then when those people say that, what's the difference between uh, weather and, and climate, right? They always say, oh, uh, climate is uh, something like, because according to World Meteorological Organization, it's 30-year average of the weather. That may be very nice to teach students. It's true, you need to give them pedagogical expect, which means long-term averages. But who says 30 years? It could easily be 50 years, could be easily be 100 years, right? This is all the kind of stuff that is, you know, not quite the truth. It's only half-truth, right? Do we just really want to learn half-truth all my life? Half-truth plus half-truth, you know, it really doesn't add to a truth, right? It's actually a pure lie. You cannot send a man to the, to the moon like that, okay? It's a joke, actually. Be serious. Science is very serious. 
So I asked the question, where's the peer review? If, by the way, this is a phenomenon very serious. It's going to kill science, in my humble opinion, because it's not about peer review anymore. It's all power review system. And it's very, very urgent and very, very dangerous. If you care about science, you really need to speak out. Dr. Soon is a lot of fun to watch. Many of his presentations are visual, so be sure to check his stuff out on YouTube. He's really entertaining and educational, always pointing out the glaring falsehoods of the climate change terrorists. And if there's something he's terrorized about, it's what's been happening to the field of science when politicians get their hands on that discipline. Because politics is about consensus, politicians think everything operates on this non-principle in science. To hear the head of the EPA not know what the percentage of the atmosphere is CO2 is truly astounding. Even worse, when she said there's 400 parts per million and still couldn't at least calculate an approximate percentage after citing the two numbers that make it easy to figure out, 400 divided by 1 million, you get 0. .0004. It's amazing. Think about the implications. A person so uneducated and so unknowledgeable about CO2, let alone mathematics and arithmetic, is telling the rest of us not to create more CO2, literally to stop breathing, all based on her total ignorance of the subject. One of the most disturbing aspects of the whole environmental movement is the lack of protest and action against it. Why are more people not speaking out against this death cult of the left? Well, Ayn Rand addressed that very question in her book, The New Left, that we cited earlier, and I quote, There are three major reasons why you and most people do not protest. Number one, you take your life and technology and its magnificent contributions to your life for granted, almost as if it were a fact of nature which will always be there. But it is not and will not. Two, you are likely to be very benevolent and enormously innocent about the nature of evil. You are unable to believe that some people can advocate man's destruction for the sake of man's destruction. And when you hear them, you think they don't mean it. But they do. Number three, your education by that same kind of people has hampered your ability to translate an abstract idea into its actual practical meaning, and therefore has made you indifferent to and contemptuous of ideas. This is the real American tragedy. They are still struggling, however, to inculcate guilt and fear. These have always been their psychological tools. Instead of threatening you with a bloody rebellion of the disinherited masses, they are now trying to scare you out of your wits, with thunderously vague threats of an unknowable cosmic cataclysm, threats that cannot be checked, verified, or proved, end quote. And with that, Ayn Rand's description of the environmental movement made back in January 1971 brings us right back to Greta Thunberg in 2019. To see every major political party in the country swear their allegiances to this climate change superstition is a disgrace to a democratic people and to science itself. This anti-science climate change propaganda, reminiscent of the Nazis denouncing, by consensus, Einstein's theory of relativity based on the fact that it was Jewish science, is deplorable and morally reprehensible. Now, it might not seem like it, but the left is in the minority. However, it rules the majority thanks to these points. Number one, an almost exclusively left-wing media. 
and number two, an almost exclusively left-wing socialist array of political parties for which to vote. All we get is socialism, socialism, or more socialism. So even if you're on the right, you've had no political option on the right from which to choose. And as of today, there are only two exceptions to this principle of which I am currently aware. Canada's Federal Party, the People's Party of Canada, the PPC, and Ontario's Provincial Party, the Freedom Party of Ontario, the FPO. And all other parties are just variants of the left. The reason that they're all being hypocritical about fighting climate change, or as the climate lobby puts it, they haven't been doing enough, is that there is no enough to do. There will never be quote-unquote enough. Fighting, cli fighting climate change is not their goal. Fighting for totalitarian state power is the goal, and it is perpetual. Just look at the state in and of China, Venezuela, and all of the other hellholes so admired by our own climate-changing politicians of the left. The climate they're all changing is our social and political climate, not the planetary weather systems that constitute what we call global climate. Remember, facts and rationality do not matter to the true left. One must never regard the left as some kind of opposing equal, open to reason and evidence as persuasive tools in helping a leftist arrive at some kind of objective conclusion. Ironically, the left is very much like the weather and climate that it so obsesses over. It is merely a force to be dealt with, and only those on the right are in any position to even confront this challenge. But we won't win if we continue to treat the left as being rational. The left is based on a fundamental necessity of initiating physical force against its opponents, since it cannot win rational arguments. Hence, the constant necessity of censorship and political correctness and shutting down any discussion of anything serious. Now, strangely enough, even though politics is the source of all these problems, so too is politics the source of the solution. If any of what we've been discussing here today concerns you, then you should never, ever vote for any of the major parties. Because as long as you do, you'll keep perpetuating their death cult. Voting for the lesser of death is tragically laughable on its face. And the polarity that is so often objected to in politics today is not a polarity of opposing views, each seeking to arrive at some kind of discovery of truth, which is a healthy polarity in society and the kind I, that I'm always supporting, but it's a polarity between rationality and irrationality. And this is a polarity that can never be bridged, nor a polarity of disagreement on a road towards some mutual discovery. The irrational left gets all of its power from government legislation. The rational right gets its power from the people under a system of individual rights. So it's long past time to get it just right, which is exactly what we'll be doing again next week. Be sure to join us as we continue our journey in the right direction. And until then... Be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Professor Bauer. Professor Bauer. A pleasure. Dr. Reimann. Dr. Reimann, Commandant. And I am Captain Steiner. Captain Steiner. Heil Hitler. <laughs> Just for the record, sit down, please, gentlemen. <laughs> well, now, we don't have... Uh, 
Distinguished scientists visit Starlock 13 very often. It's a great honor. You know, uh, I am very fond of science. Oh, really? Oh, yes, yes. It's, well, uh, it's, um, it's so scientific. <laughs> That's true. Yes. 